All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Okay. Thank you, Garris. Appreciate that. All right. So uh, this is going to be week two, if you haven't been following uh, in the workbook. So this is going to be under week two. So just make sure that as you go along in your notes, um, in your in your workbook, you're using week two and not week three. So we kind of did week three last week, and we're going back to week two. So we're going to talk about the uh, motivational gifts. So next week is going to be the final week of class. So great job, students. Appreciate you. And we're going to do an activation. So we're going to actually ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us to figure out what gifts are functioning in your life and which gifts you feel like you will call to and create an opportunity to pray for people that haven't had the opportunity to uh, use some of these gifts or that haven't and had an opportunity to see the Holy Spirit working in them and using the spiritual gifts that we have been talking about. So be prepared when you come next week that we'll be praying for people. We'll have a short session where we teach or Pastor Ken will, and then after that, we'll just go into activation and prayer. So you don't want to miss that. If you can make it, please do so. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus. As we get into this particular portion of the class, and I just thank you, Father, that you're here. Holy Spirit, our desire is to know you and to be known by you and to do ministry the way that you have called us to do ministry. I thank you for loving us so well, bringing us here safely and being able to be in this place. Now I pray that you would take over in this class. I give myself to you, that you would use me as you would choose. I pray that you would keep my mind in tune with you and my tongue to speak the words that you would have me speak and how you would want me to speak them. I honor you and, and praise you for being such a loving God and caring about the things that we do and the things that we understand. We honor you and praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I've had more people that have submitted their homework, which is awesome. Again, talk to me, and you get a chance, and we'll see what kind of merch we can get for you from the merch store um, because you're doing your homework. See, you get rewarded when you listen to the teacher. Isn't it just fantastic? It still works. Okay, so I'll be expecting an apple anytime soon. Nobody got that joke? Thank you. You know, five years later. Okay. All right, so we want to deal with the motivational gifts, but before we get to actually talk about the motivational gifts, these are found in Romans chapter 12, and that's probably where we're going to stay for the entirety of this class. We're going to be dealing with Romans chapter 12, but it's going to go from verse 1 to 8, and we're going to try and break that down. And before we get to the actual gifts, which to me... It's going to be the shortest portion of the class, which is essentially the second session that we will take upon. I think what's important is to look at the backdrop from where Paul is coming from. It's essential for us to understand the whole book of Romans and why Paul had to write it. So Paul's writing to a church that he actually did not establish. So if you look at the book of Colossians, Thessalonians, Philippians, Corinthians, these are churches that he himself had the apostolic anointing to begin those particular ministries, but the one in Rome, he was not the one who established that church. So Rome was the epicenter, the central hub 
of life at the time, the, the, the Mecca, the exciting place that you wanted to be. And so he's writing to them because there's a mixture of Gentile Jews who are fused in with the Israelites or with the Jews. And so there's much confusion as to understanding the law, functioning within the law, or working under grace and under faith. And so he's writing here to establish two main factors, one of truth and one of grace. And so because the Christians of this time have had some sort of uh, understanding of how things work, have begun to alienate the Jewish people, have begun to alienate the Israelites because they have a rejection or they're rejecting Christ as the Savior. And so there's a rejection there saying, you know what, we don't want to have anything to do with these Jews or the Jews are, are, are condemned. And so he's writing to say, yes, there has been a rejection of Christ by the Jews, but he, he is trying to emphasize the point that Christ began a good work within the Jewish people and he will see it to completion. Now, if you actually study um, Israel today, uh, there are 9 million people in Israel today and only 40,000 people believe in Jesus. That's in Israel. And so there's been a real rejection of Christ or Jesus being the central theme. And so that's what he's trying to deal with when he is talking to, to the Romans. And he's trying to talk about how faith is what is important in, in terms of getting to the place of salvation. And so now when he gets to chapter 12, he's trying to bring in this concept of faith in practice or faith working for you. That's what he's trying to do when he comes to chapter 12. So before, he's making theological statements. He's making, uh, he's, he's reasoning with them as to how things are the way they are based on Old Testament teaching and based on the experience that is happening at the time. But now he gets to chapter 12, and this is where he said, okay, based on everything I've taught you about Christ, about salvation, and about faith, he begins by saying, I beseech you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy, pleasing, and acceptable to God. And this is your reasonable service or your reasonable worship. So the first thing that we want to deal with, is everybody cool if I write? Okay, so the first thing that we want to deal with is body. So he's saying you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, why would he say offer your body? Because in most instances, we see faith as an inside-out deal. So what I need to offer surely should be my spirit. That's what I need to offer to God. And when I offer my spirit, I'm okay. But here's what's important about the body. What does the body house? The body houses your and your. Okay. So when something happens to you internally, when God does something inside of your life, he is going to touch your, your spirit. And the hope is that it is going to affect your soul. But where is that all going to be expressed? Okay? It is not going to be expressed in a supernatural sense where nobody can see it. So if somebody is going to be able to see what has happened to your spirit, what they look at is your body. And so then, therefore, he's saying you want to offer your body as a living sacrifice. And so he introduces this concept here of living. My writing is not going to be fun unless I do this. Okay, so it's going to be living sacrifice. And we're going to get to the gifts. 
in just a second. So he says, he introduces the concept of a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice of the body from where we express the change that has happened in our spirit, which is supposed to affect our soul. And our soul is made up of our will, our intellect, and emotion. Okay, so he's saying offer your body as a living sacrifice. So what he's introducing here is a new term. So the aspect or the idea of sacrifice is already understood. That when you sacrifice in the Old Testament, what were you supposed to do? You're supposed to take an animal and you're supposed to slit, slit its throat. But once you did that, what happened to the animal? It died. It no longer lives. So the idea of sacrifice is already understood, but there's a new concept of a living sacrifice, which is a sacrifice that actually doesn't die, but is still a sacrifice. And so this we understand in two different concepts. It is an act and also action. It is an act and also action. So what he's saying is offer yourself your body as a sacrifice in that you are dying once and for all to the idea that Jesus is Christ and Lord. And that once you are dead to the idea that Jesus is the Christ and he is the Lord of your life, that you're dead to it, you're never going to come to an opportunity where you wake up and you suddenly think to yourself, oh my gosh, I've been wrong all this time. So when you're seeing all these new theologies, all this deconstructionism, then the question is, did they ever sacrifice to the act of dying to that idea, dying to that ideology, dying to the concept or the thinking that Jesus is the Christ. So we're going to understand the gifts from the perspective of knowing that if the gifts are to function and to function the way that they ought to, we have to begin at this place where we sacrifice everything that is housed in the body, which means our spirit, our soul, everything that's in there is sacrificed as an act of saying, I am dying to any other thought, any other concept, any other theology, any other philosophy that might come. I'm dying to that and I'm saying I'm wholly going to be with Jesus. And then he says, you want to offer it because you are still living. So this is the action. So the act is dying to sacrifice. And the action is saying that you are still living. So how you live your life is going to show whether you have actually done the sacrifice. So that's what he means by a living sacrifice. So which means that this is a daily expression of the body of how you are living your life. And he says, this is your reasonable worship. Okay, this is your reasonable worship. The continual action of living a life that has been sacrificed to Christ is your reasonable worship. And so we have this concept in our mind that I want to present a different challenge to you as you go through life is that we often think I'm going to church to do what? To worship, right? I'm going to church to worship. But if you are going to be a living sacrifice, the idea is not simply just going to church to worship. It means you're going to your business to worship. You're going to your daughter's house to worship. You're going to your grandparents' house to worship. That wherever it is you're going, you're worshiping because of the way that you live your life as a life that has been sacrificed. So he's saying, I beseech you, 
brethren, in view of God's mercy and saying, in view of all the things that I've told you of what Jesus Christ has done, in view of that, I beseech you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable worship. This means this is an expectation of how we live our lives every single day. Are you following me? Okay. So then he goes on to say, do not conform. Am I spelling that right? Okay. But be transformed. So essentially what he's trying to introduce here is when we do the reasonable worship, we, di- we then, and, and in King James says reasonable service, we don't offer this worship of this service to God in the hope of gaining his favor but because we have his favor is the reason why we then offer the reasonable service or is why we offer the reasonable worship because we have already obtained his favor so our life is a reflection of the favor that we have already attained so you don't do things you don't you're not going to use these gifts in order that God favors you but because he's already favored you you begin to express that so do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world and bless you and the word conform here has to do again still with an an idea of an outward appearance yeah I'm not gonna spell it right and I'm not afraid to not spell it right it's my second language has to do with an outward appearance A man who is 17 does not look the same when he is 70. In other words, his form is changing to his environment. His form changes as the environment internally in his body changes or as the environment around him changes. So the body conforms to the environment. That's kind of the picture that he's trying to paint here. So similarly, he's saying the patterns or the ways of this world are ever changing and you are not to conform or change who you are based on what the environment is dictating. At one point, we all agreed that being gay was not biblical and now, changing environment is causing some people to I'm going to question that I'm going to question this so we're conforming and changing our worship based on the environment and he's saying don't change or conform based on the environment based on what is popular based on what is popularly understood at the time because you're going to be going into different and various cultures and as you do that if you start agreeing with your culture you're actually conforming but he says be transformed and the word he uses there is the word metamorphosis which means you're being transformed the 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 shape that you were in before is changed to where you are a completely different shape than the one that you were before which means you do not align with your contemporary but you challenge it based on how different you are are you with me so he's saying based on this difference then don't conform and this is going to happen where do not conform any longer to the patterns of the soil but be transformed by the renewal of your by the renewal of your mind 
which means that there is still a work in progress that has to happen when you lay down your life on the sac as, a as a sacrifice, you still need to continue going through the act of metamorphosis. We together? And when you go through the act of metamorphosis, it's going to change your will, your intellect, and your emotions so that it continues to express a living sacrifice. Okay, so he's setting the stage here to where he is going to talk about the gifts that we're going to be looking at. Okay, so then he says that once you are transformed, once you've gone through metamorphosis, and your will, your intellect, and emotion changes to where it's different to your contemporary, you will be able to test or to prove God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And how you prove this is in the way that you are living your life, it is going to show that the truth of God's word really exists in your life. Are we together? Okay, so then he says, now, now you're in this place, and I've told you as a theological backing of what I'm about to introduce. And then how then is your body going to be expressing the transformation that has taken place? How are you going to be continually being a living sacrifice? And that's when he says, by the grace given to me, uh, and he talks about the gift that he has, and then he talks about, he introduces the concept of grace. Now, why is this important? Why is grace important as it pertains to the gifts? Everybody okay if I erase this? I'm sorry, I just started doing it. So he's saying, God has given us grace, and this grace has led to gifts. Which is the Greek word charisma. So he's saying God has apportioned grace to us and this grace has led to us having gifts. And these gifts are going to be expressed by your body. They're going to be expressed by your body. So he's saying God has given us grace. And the reason why grace is imperative to our comprehension of the gifts is to know that none of us deserved these gifts. There's not a single one of us who has done something, said something, been somewhere that makes it to where you deserve to have any of these gifts. That these gifts that you have have come as a result of God's unmerited favor. Again, he's already favored you. And so now you're going to express these gifts out of the favor that you've already received. And in expressing these gifts, it doesn't mean you're going to be obtaining more favor. You've already got the favor, and this favor has resulted in you getting the gifts, which you are going to express in your body. So he's then introducing the idea, the concept of not being puffed up. As Pastor Ken would say, you're nothing on a... There you go. So you're nothing on a stick. So he's saying, listen, it's by grace 
that you have the capacity to actually work these gifts. So none of us should be puffed up and look at ourselves and think that we are great because of the fact that we operate under these gifts. Similarly, none of us should look down on ourselves and say, I am not going to use this gift because I am nothing on a stick, so I'm not going to care or even begin to touch or using these gifts. Because he says, by this grace, he said, use these gifts in accordance to the measure of faith that God has given you. So he's actually imploring us to use the gifts. He's saying these things must be happening in your life. These gifts must be expressed in your life because God has given you the grace to do so. But don't be puffed up in using them. But equally, don't sit by the wayside and not actually use or function in these gifts. And so that's why grace is imperative when we start understanding the gifts that we're, bought, we're going to be talking about. Okay. And then he says, according to the measure of faith. Measure of faith. Okay, now, when you say measure of faith, and it's a, a measure of faith as God has allowed or as God has given. And then some people would then argue and say, well, I only have a little faith because that is what God has given me. God has only allowed me my faith to be this small, or God has been awesome to me and my faith has been massive or has been big. So this is a very important thing that we need to tackle again before we go into actually talking about the gifts. So what is a measure of faith? Okay, so who remembers the story about the manna from heaven? Two people, three, four, five, six. Does anybody not know the story about the manna from heaven? Okay, so the manna falls. What does the Bible say? He who gathered much did not gather too much. And he who gathered little did not gather little. But that what was apportioned to them was in accordance to the need that they had. So a measure of faith is not talking about the fact that there is a maximum faith and that you have to work and attain to get to maximum level. Like I'm at level three. And Dana Carver, because she's awesome, is at level seven, is not what, he, what, 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 what Paul is introducing here. But he's introducing the idea that the measure of faith is given in accordance to how you are functioning, how you are working, and the things that you are doing. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's break it down. Okay. CSI. SVU. Which other crime show is there? NCIS, law and order. Come on, give me some more. No, that's it? Okay, we're restricted to that. Okay. There was a murder. Over here. Okay, we'll include that one. There was a murder over here. There was a sandwich stolen over there. We don't know who did the murder, and we don't know who stole the sandwich. But what do we need in order for us to discover who did any one of these things? Evidence. So here is the pool of evidence. Here 
is the pool of evidence. Faith is the evidence. So the amount of faith that is apportioned here in order to solve this, because there's a lot more evidence that is needed here, is higher than when we are solving this crime. Are you following me? Okay. So when I'm trying to investigate who stole the sandwich, there's less evidence. So the amount of faith that I need is enough to figure out who stole the sandwich. Here, their portion is larger because the case is bigger. So according to the measure of faith is where are you at? What are you doing? If you are needing faith for your baby and grazing your child, God will apportion that amount of faith that you need to raise your child. If you are needing to be pastoring a mega church, God apportions you the faith to be able to lead that mega church. So the measure of faith is not determined by who you are, but by the thing you are doing. Are we together? Okay. So, which means that now that you understand that there is a measure of faith, then you're going to understand the use of these gifts. So when then he then introduces the gifts, when he introduces prophecy or, or service, he's saying, listen, serve. If you're here, serve with all diligence because this is the measure of faith that you've been given to solve this. But when you're doing something like this, serve with all diligence in order for you to figure what, this hap what, what is happening here. So I can have a measure of faith, the same person, me, Tonderai, have a measure of faith here that I need to solve this. But when I come here, I'm still the same person. I'm not in this measure of faith to solve that. So it's not a measure of faith for Dana, a measure of faith for James, a measure of faith is a measure of faith depending on where you're at and what you are doing. Does that make sense? Okay, so this becomes essential again when you start expressing uh, these gifts. So that's why grace and faith are important. Grace so that we are not puffed up and a measure of faith depending on what is happening so he then introduces the idea of the body of christ and he says we are one body made up of different parts i think king james uses the word members so i think the word for members is the word m-e-l-e -E. i'm not going to pronounce that that would be my third language in this instance. Okay, so from this word is the idea of personality. The idea of members. That the members of a group have different personalities. So the members of the body of Christ have different personalities. And so for the concept of the idea of personalities from this word is where you get the idea of a motivational gift in that it is your personality to always motivate and uplift people. So that's where you get the idea of why people call it motivational gifts. Nowhere in there does Paul say these are motivational gifts. It's men who's decided to call them that, that they're motivational gifts because of this word including the idea of personality. Okay, take it how you will. Uh, I think personality does play a, a part in how you express the things that are happening within your body. I think it does. But we'll talk about that again when we get to the depths of those gifts. So, because 
we are members of one body. So here's one thing that we understand about the body, right? The hand never argues with the feet. Have you ever noticed that? Your hand never says to your feet, man, I work harder than you. And the feet goes, come on. I do more than you do. I get into the dirt and I change diapers and I end up having poop on my hand. Okay, the hand never has that discussion with the feet. They're in symbiosis. They're working together and there's never an argument. And they understand the importance of each other. So it is important that we understand that this is not a place of comparison. We cannot look at the one who has the gift of prophecy and envy that person or envy their use of gift or even we talked about a measure of faith i'm using my prophetic gift here because that's where i'm at that's what god has called me to be doing at that time and then i look at somebody who's over here who is tackling a greater thing and look and be envious of where they're at in using their prophetic gift if i'm doing that then i am not being part of a unified body and that's very key because the strength of us is in all of us working the gifts according to the measure of faith that we've been given in order for advancing the kingdom of God. Should we become disunited, should we lose unity, we slow our progression in advancing the kingdom and we limit our ability to be effective. And that has been the real weight on the church. I've grown up being told this, and I'm sure if you walked with the Lord a long time, you've heard this. The church is a sleeping giant. Has anyone ever heard that? Okay. That we can be really effective as an institution, quote and unquote. We can be really effective, but we lack the effectiveness because we have everything we need, but we're so divided and because we're so divided, we lose our effectiveness. And Paul understood the need for this. And so he's trying to say, listen, we are equally important and important in different parts, but those parts work together in harmony as the body does. And so therefore, I need to be in harmony with you and you need to be in harmony with me. Number one, for me not to desire the gifts that you have and say, oh my gosh, I wish I was like you. Because if you are wishing that you were somebody else, who you are really questioning is the one who gave the gifts. So you're not looking and questioning that person. You're saying, God, you got it all wrong. This is how you should have done it. So you're questioning the giver of the gift. So it becomes important for us to work together. And when we begin to work together, again, when he's writing this book, he's writing to the Romans. He was not writing to an individual. So when he's saying we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, he's talking about the whole entire church in Romans, the whole entire body. And he says that when the whole entire body does not conform but is transformed, then the whole entire body will begin to see God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so that's why it is important for us to function in these gifts as a body because in so doing, we then give the opportunity to the world to actually see what the will of God is. Right? Because this is what the Bible says in Ephesians, right? The manifold wisdom of God has been made known to the 
church. So we have the manifold wisdom of God being made known to us. And as we function the way that we ought to, we give an opportunity for people to see what God is doing and how God works and functions. So, who are the gifts for? Now that we've established that they exist, and we've established the need of why they exist and the expression thereof, who are they for? Okay? So, again, he's introducing the word members. Members of the body. So, in order for you to really work in these gifts, we go back to the beginning, you have to be a living sacrifice, which means that you have to have died to Christ. Right? And the Bible says it is I who no longer lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. So which means I have to die to self in order for me to begin to access the gifts. So everybody has the innate gift in them, but in order for you to function in these gifts, you have to die to Christ. So which means that if you are not dead to Christ, then the gifts we're about to talk about, you cannot function in them, especially in trying to build up the kingdom of God. So, like for instance, you look at the word prophecy. Now, prophecy takes so many different forms. Okay, If you read in the Bible, there were people that went to a place, and in that place the Spirit of God was there, and they began to prophesy. Okay, so when you look at it from the spiritual gift aspect that Pastor Ken has been talking about, you prophesy as the Spirit gives you utterance, or you depend on the Holy Spirit in order for you to function in those spiritual gifts. But the gifts that we're going to be talking about, it's different. It's not as the Spirit leads, because they're innate gifts. It is according to the measure of faith. Does that make sense? Okay? It is according to the measure of faith. So all of us have been given gifts. Okay? And then Ephesians, in the, very first, um, in the very first chapter, the early verses, it says that, Praise be to God, our Heavenly Father, who has blessed us in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing. Which means that, again, you and I have access to all of these gifts, again, because they're not gifts that we manufacture. They're gifts that God has blessed us with. So in any given moment and place, you can use any one of those gifts according to what the need is. Okay, does that make sense? So according to what the need is, you have access to it, which is exactly why the measure of faith is important. Because have you ever had a situation where um, you believed God, let's say, for the breakthrough of your rent, and boom, you believed God and things worked out. Great. And then all of a sudden, it's a sickness. Somebody that you love so dearly is not well. And all of a sudden, you're gripped by fear. Yet... In the rent situation, you were full of faith. And now the situation has changed and all of a sudden you're gripped by fear. Just remember in your mind, okay, I now need a different measure of faith from where I'm at. Okay? And don't let fear overtake you because the same God who came through for your rent is the same God who's going to come through for whatever situation you're facing. So you're just saying, okay, I need a greater measure of faith or I need a different measure of faith because of the thing that I am facing. So in that moment, if you don't have, quote and unquote, the gift of healing, you can still administer the gift of healing because, again, the measure of faith is present for you to pray for that person. So again, faith is the currency that allows God to move effectively within our lives. Because whoever comes to God must believe 
that he is and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And should we shrink back, the Bible says he will not be pleased with us. So again, faith is very key to understanding it all. So when we work together as a body, this allows us, this allows people to actually see the effectiveness of what God is doing in the church. And it is for any, anybody who is, um, who is dead to Christ or dead in Christ and wants to glorify and build up the kingdom. Okay, so I made a mistake. The word here is melos. Pace with the connection. Okay, so what are the dangers of manipulating the gifts? What are the dangers of manipulating the gifts? Okay. Um, you're looking at prophecy. Prophecy is being able to now you're making me define the gift again. But prophecy is being able to bring to light the word or the truth of God. What if I manipulate that and twist that for my own benefit? Again, so maybe people can see me as the prophet. So people can come to me if they need prophetic words. And I'm the one that holds the key to the drum. Why is it danger for us to manipulate the use of these gifts? Or in service... Why is it a, danger, a, da a dangerous thing for me to have something in return as I offer service? So there are three people that have a need in the church, but I want to come to you because I know you're wealthy and there's a chance that you're going to give me a little something, something in return. So I have the gift of service, but, <laughs> but okay, so d does that give you a picture? Of okay, okay. No, it's talking manipulation. So you actually have the gift. You actually have the gift. God has called you to use this gift, but now you begin to manipulate. What is the danger of manipulating the gifts or if there is no humility in actually using these gifts? What are the dangers? Okay. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Correct. It's not all about you. Right. Yes. Somebody give this man a sandwich. <laughs> but did you hear that? Gifts are not character. So even though I have the gift, it doesn't speak to my character. And that's very important, which is why I always say, if you're looking to see who you want to follow, who you want to allow to lead you, don't look at their gifts. Look at the fruit, because the fruit is essential. Because when you begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in someone's life, that person is truly walking with the Lord. Because here's what happens. You have, especially where I'm from, a lot of prophets. A lot of prophets. 
and they build these major ministries, they themselves are finding themselves in the position where they're getting wealthy and wealthy and wealthy, and everybody is not. Because they're using those gifts in order to manipulate, in order to have self-gain. And this causes doubt to people that are truly wanting to come into the kingdom because of what they see. So the number one thing, saints, that you want to protect is your witness. Did I spell that right? The number one thing you want to do is to protect your witness. So as you exercise the gifts, again, it's so, it's so strange. Have you ever noticed nobody ever gets so big about mercy? No one tries to manipulate mercy, but it's always pro prophecy and prophecy. But anyway, yes. Right. Right. That again is a point as to why it's danger. There's danger in manipulation. Right. So remember, what is the number one thing that God is after? I mean, that the devil is after. What is he after? What? Yes. God is after your faith. Isn't the devil? Sorry. The devil is after your faith. Okay? <laughs> the devil is after your faith, right? Simon, Simon, the devil has asked to, whatever, sift you as we didn't have prayed for you faith that it might stand so what the devil is after is your faith so obviously when i see weird things like people coughing on people urinating on people in order for them to receive the power of god and i see all these things i see people oh 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 yes yes james yes people urinate coughing on people uh asking them to take up snakes and actually pick up snakes being bit and i see all these things that are happening it causes somebody who's really wanting to genuinely walk with god to lose their faith and be in and fear and now when there's doubt and fear you don't see the function of these gifts so now we're gonna say oh Weird, awkward, strange. Don't do this. Yes. So, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Mm -hmm. If you are a faith by knowing God, right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In order for you to get healed. Correct. 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 Right. And that and this is. Ex oh, there's 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 worse things. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm talking about. The Africans in here can tell you the things we have experienced. So, yeah, there's, there's worse things. And I'm sure there's worse things here, too, 
that again if you try and dissect the many different religious sections or cults that are in this country you will see that they're things that are totally off the loss that are causing people to be manipulated and again all it does is causes there to be doubt about the idea of christ being the one who was called by god the christ who came and died for our sins and, and rose on the third day and then it takes away faith and once faith is robbed again what did i say it is impossible to please god without faith so now we have churches that are filled in fear churches that are trying not to rock the status quo and because of that they don't operate in faith they're really operating in fear and doubt and i don't want people to be mad at me and so because of that we see less and less of the function of the gifts so that's why it's important that there's no manipulation or the gifts are not used in if you're not humble as you are participating or using these gifts again you got to remember it is by grace that you are a prophet it's not that you are anything special and in, indeed for you to be successful as a prophet you need me who has the gift of mercy you need me you cannot just operate on prophecy alone and disregard somebody who has mercy, disregard the teacher, disregard the leader, disregard the gift of service. You, you cannot do that because in you doing that, you're causing disunity in the body. And once the body is not united and the body becomes malfunction, if, you, if I have this hand being so strong and this one not being strong, I'm still not going to be effective. You'd rather have both of my hands and my legs operating at the same capacity than one capacity seemingly be stronger than the other. If you did that, I still cannot function effectively. So that's why it's important. That, that's why Paul laid it out this way. And then he even says, for the grace given to me, because we see Paul as a guru in the faith, right? The reason we do that is because we see all the great things that he has done that the Lord has used him to do. But he says it is actually grace that was given to him in order for him to do the things that he did. So the measure of faith that he was at was seemingly looked larger, but that's only because of the task that was before him. He is no better than you. Okay, the Apostle Paul is no better than than you he even says this is a statement that is a, a good statement he said christ came to save sinners of which i am chief he says i am the biggest sinner that's what paul says and because he walks in such humility we look at him and we think well of him and, and as we should but i want you to know that the love of god does not flow much bigger on paul than it does on you and that according to the things that God has called you and you apply the faith that God has given you, you too can accomplish great things. And I dare say, and some of us in here are accomplishing those great things. Only difference is for him, it was the beginning of a great movement that the Gentiles begin to receive the message of faith. And like I told you, 40,000 people out of 9 million in Israel believe in Jesus. But when you go outside of Israel, that number grows exponentially that was the work of the apostle paul okay and i think that's important for us to understand okay so that it makes sense we're going to take a five minute break so the first part is done and then we're going to go into the gifts in the second part so you got five minutes and then be back here as soon as you can restroom break water coffee the likes all right so I'm going to go ahead and continue. So two things. 
Uh, one thing again, I want to make a correction that uh, Tammy brought to me. Not, it's not a measure of faith. It's the measure of faith. So not a measure, but the measure of faith. Again, giving importance to the fact that none of us lack the ability to have faith for whatever it is that God is giving us as a task to do, or even the faith to live out being a living sacrifice. We all have what we need, right? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, right? According to the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So in other words, for me to live out this Christian faith, I don't lack anything, right? For life and to be a godly person. So that means that God has allotted the measure of faith that I need for whatever it is I'm facing. And then just to clarify also, the idea I said you need to protect your witness. What I meant by that is you have a, you're, you're dead, right? You're dead and Christ lives in you. So what you don't want to do is present yourself in such a way that people don't actually see the Christ in you because of the things that you say and do that are opposing to the Christian faith, that are opposing to what God has called us to do. Because if you do that, you, you, know, you, you, you call me names and you degrade me one time and then next week you're trying to tell me Jesus loves me, which is still true, but I'm not going to hear it because of how you initially made me feel. So what I'm saying is, as you function in these gifts, you want to make sure that you're protecting the ability for somebody to come into the faith. Because if you don't do that, then you're actually causing people to run away from Christ instead of drawing nearer and closer to him. Does that make sense? Okay. So now, this is the easy part, talking about the actual gifts. So I hope that you've kind of got the foundation of where Paul is coming from uh, before he talks about those gifts. So we're going to go through them, and we're going to go through them probably real quickly because I think, in a sense, they are self-explanatory. So number one is prophecy. Okay, so there is the ministry gift of the prophet, then there is the spiritual gift of prophecy, and then we're talking about the motivational gift of prophecy. Okay, again, this has to do with foretelling, bringing to light God's truth. Okay, that's what prophecy is here so on the spiritual gift again the spiritual gift it's as the spirit leads right when we're talking about in first corinthians 12 as the spirit leads it's the spirit that's leading in that that's where you have the capacity to foretell but in here we're talking about the capacity to forth tell which means you're declaring a truth of God and bringing it to light. And that includes bringing to light what is sinful. Okay? That's that's the prophet. So that's why when Pastor Ken talked about the fivefold ministry and he talked about pointing, that's exactly what this is. It's saying, hey, if we continue in this trend based on the truth that we find in God's word, this would be the end result. In the same way, if we start doing these things based on the truth that is in God's word, we will see good results. So that's what this prophecy is talking to. So the person who operates in this 
uh, usually people that are not on the emotional side. They're not really driven by emotion because they have the capacity to say, listen, I have to tell you what you need to hear and I'm not so much worried about what you're going to feel because you have to hear the truth. So there are people like me who are driven by emotion. So I don't want to hurt you. So I'm going to struggle to really come forth and tell you the truth that you need to hear. I'm going to be skeptical because I'm not confrontational, or at least I don't like to be confrontational. And so because of that, I might not operate in this gift as well. Are we together? Now, remember what I said. I have the ability to use this gift because this gift is not yours. You didn't manufacture it, neither did I. God is the one that has given it according to his grace. So God can grant me grace and make me bold to then say, hey, this is what I really feel. You need to stop. And then I go and breathe in a basket or something <laughs> because <laughs> I really did do that. Okay. But then somebody who operates under this gift will never need to breathe in a bag. They'll be like, hey, I had to tell this person. And they're actually doing it out of love. And sometimes it is difficult for us to hear or understand the person who comes with this prophetic uh, uh, gifting because we think they're harsh or they're unkind. But I think it is needed in order to especially top, stop sin in the church. Okay? So, so yes. Well, okay, th that's, that's why I separated them. I said the ministry gift of the prophet and then the spiritual gift of prophecy and then the motivational gift of prophecy. So again, you can be able to function in all three spaces. And again, when you prophesy and you bring truth, it should encourage. So even if I'm telling you to stop sinning, you shouldn't feel bad if you're walking in truth. You should feel, what's the word I'm looking for? Righteous. It's not condemnation. What is it? Conviction. See, there's the English language working. Conviction. So you feel conviction, which is actually an, exo an encouragement to you to start walking in truth. So I'm just telling you the function of it. Either way, this should result in somebody being encouraged and ex exhorted. Because if I'm telling you, hey, you know, if you begin to pray, this is what the Lord, the word of the Lord says. If you begin to pray, you will see this fruit. That should encourage you. So, so it's not, which is what I'm going to get to. It's not necessarily, boy, Tommy, you're the guy, you're the man. That's not necessarily under this particular gift. But it has to do with the revelation of bringing to light what God's truth is. Does that make sense? Any questions? Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. That is going to open up a big deal for me to begin to walk through that. Uh, can I talk to you afterwards? And anyone else is interested to hear my answer on that, Nick, you can stay afterwards and I'll because I'm about to blaze through these things and probably more questions <laughs> will come up. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'm, more, I'm interested to help you out there. Okay, so then the next one is 
service. Okay, so under service, and some versions would say ministry. Do you remember Acts chapter 2? No, Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. The Hellenistic Jews were complaining that they were not getting enough share of a portion of, uh, of the meal. And so then the, the apostle says, we cannot stop the ministry of the work of God to wait on tables. And so then they apportioned men, and the Bible says, full of the spirit to do service. So people who have the ability to do service are the ones that just get down and dirty and do the things that need to be done. And they don't do it because, ha, it's a good thing that I need to do. They do it and they're actually full of heart and love while they do it. Okay? So this is very important. Okay? I, ca I cannot stress this enough. I, I, I don't know why there are no fake service people. Because... I'd rather there be a lot of fake service people than fake prophets. Because fake service people, we can actually advance and do something by helping somebody, even though if we're doing it out of a wrong heart or whatever, but we're actually helping people, actually being there and being the hands and feet and administering real and true ministry. Okay, all right. So when I went to Bible school, I had a, a teacher... And he will always go into his opinion box. So he would say, this is my opinion box, so you cannot attack me for it. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily saying, this is how it is. So I'm about to step into my opinion box. Is that okay? No, you cannot attack me for this. This is not the position of New Song Church. Okay? This is my opinion. My opinion is the ministry on that pulpit is less effective as the, as the ministry of on one-on-one. One-on-one -on -one. One -on -one ministry produces real and stronger results than the ministry on the pulpit. The ministry on the pulpit is very needed. But look, look at just here. I said something, and he has a question. How many opportunities do you get to ask the question when it's on the pulpit? So we cannot all clamor and desire to be on the pulpit. But what we do and want to clamor to desire is to minister effectively one-on-one. -on -one. And that is being able, I'm in my opinion box, don't attack me. So what we should desire is how can I be there for somebody and minister with my life and with my service? Because sometimes there's a more effective ministry that happens when we lead with service. Because when you lead with service, oftentimes it speaks love. And I'll tell you this, again, I'm going to go back to Zimbabwe. Islam is the number one growing religion in Zimbabwe. Why? They will go to a very poor area. What they'll do there is they'll dig wells, build schools, build libraries, people to have access to. And then they will minister their Islam. So they offer service. And then we come along with our tracts, a four-point gospel, and we say, Jesus loves you. And they go, what are you talking about? No, Jesus, this is the way I'm going. Why? Because of service. You can invite all those people, put them in a pulpit, put them in a church, and be on a pulpit and preach to them. But what they're going to go home to, what they're going to see, is the work that the Muslims did in their community. And they cannot hear the truth. 
We need Christians with the heart of service. Okay. I'm not saying, I'm not discrediting that at all. Obviously, I am absolutely for that. But I just wish that we had more people that have less desire to say, oh, I want to one day be on the pulpit and minister. And more people that desire to say, whether you give me a pulpit or not, I want to find a place where I can minister to somebody and be effective in their life. Okay. That's, that's service. And then the next one is teaching. Okay, again, so it's important for us to know that you can have one or more of these gifts. So it's not like you're a prophet and that's it, you're done, okay? You can operate in more than one of these gifts. So this is the first one that I identify with, teaching, which is explaining or making simple the truths of God's word. So this one here is different in the sense that you're bringing it to light for whatever situation or place or whatever it is that has happened. You're saying this is what the word of the Lord says concerning this particular issue, and that's what you do here. Here you're explaining that this is how this guy functions. So <laughs> I get to explain his job <laughs> is what a teacher does. So you're explaining, you're bringing uh, an understanding, you're breaking it down so that people can understand what the word of God is. So Paul again is saying whoever is doing this according to the measure of faith, do it according to the measure of faith to prophesy, according to the measure of faith to service, and according to the me measure of faith to teach. Okay? Any questions on that? Okay. So then the next one, which is also me, is, how does he say it? Is it exhortation or encouragement? Encouragement. which is exactly that, which is a lifting up, seeing people as they can be or as they should versus seeing them as they are. That's what encouragement is. So you can be in a bad place, an encourager will come and still say, you're the man, man, you're great. Everything you do is awesome. And they make you feel great. So this right here is me. So anytime you hear me, teach, I'm probably going to encourage also, right? Because I'm just bent that way. I'm going to try and encourage you and lift you up and tell you, you can do it. Go for it. You're great. Then ah. the prophet will come and put you straight. <laughs> okay? So that's the gift of encouragement. Again, I guess, and like I said, the gifts in themselves are self-explanatory. Uh, self so you're going to comfort as an encourager. You're going to console. And it kind of has uh, uh, a legal overtones as well, this word encouragement that Paul uses, uh, kind of giving you the idea of an advocate. So I want to come by you, and I want to walk with you through whatever journey you're going through so that I can make sure that you stay on task and you stay believing that you are who God says you are. So it's not just simply giving words and saying, hey, you're awesome, but it's also saying, hey, what we got to do? Okay, I'll come pick you up, and I'll take you to this place. And we'll do, Hey, we got this. We can do this. We can, and, I, and I stay with you until you come out of the place that you're in and then you stop believing in yourself that's what the gift of encouragement is okay and then after that is giving
That's what. Jackson, have you been in the service yet? Okay. okay. <laughs> I hear it's kind of touch a little bit on the on the giving part. Okay. I want to do something here. Okay. I'm going to say a word, and I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say it. Okay? Are you all ready? Okay. Giving. Okay. I had time, right? Money, and I think I heard somebody say abilities. Okay. In this sense, he says give generously the word can also be translated to give simply or in simplicity which means that it has more to do with giving off of yourself which can then encompass okay so when I give of myself the idea is not for me to have a condition on my giving so one who operates in this particular gift, they don't have a condition in their giving. So this is how it works for some of us who really don't have this gift well. I'd say, so, Garris, you said you need $50, right? Okay, so tell me, uh, do you work? <laughs> are you tithing? How are you taking care of your finances? Let me have a spreadsheet of all the things that you're doing, and then let me see what's going on. Hmm, you need to cut cable. Otherwise, if you don't cut cable, things would be best. I'm going to give you 50 bucks, but you need to cut your cable. Okay? I didn't give of myself in that instance. I gave my money. See that? So that's what Paul is saying. I didn't give of myself. I gave of my money. To give of myself is, 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 is this. Hey, Garris, here's 50 hey, do, do you want me to help you with anything else? you want me to have a look at your finance and help you to figure out where you can budget if budgeting is, an, is a problem? Do you want me to help you with that? No, I'm great. Okay. Hey, Gareth, how are you doing? Is everything okay? I'm checking on you. Hey, here's another 50 just in case things are not going well. I gave off myself. I didn't give off my money. And similarly with time. Yeah. Right. Yes. Seeing people as they can or could be versus seeing them as they are or they can or should be, correct. So in other words, for me as an encourager, you could be down and out. You could be looking horrible. And I say, man, this is not you. You know, this is not you. This is who you are. And then I emphasize the truth of what God has said who you are versus what you are looking like right now. That's what encouragement is. Yes. Well, you're giving of yourself selflessly, right? It's a fourth language. <laughs> you're being selfless, but you're giving off yourself. You, you're making me doubt my English. Let's go back to school, bro. Okay, English as a second language. You and me. Let's do it again. Okay, so. Right, so everyone understands what I mean here? <laughs> Any questions <laughs> beside the English verbiage or the, the writing, handwriting is awful, but <laughs> anybody else <laughs> has a question on that? Okay, yes. Yeah, um, or a comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea of like the, the 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. Yes, and that's exactly what Christ did. That's exactly what he did. He gave of himself, right? And that's the same giving that we're talking about here, the same gift. Yeah, 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 because we think about ourselves. Yeah, okay. Then the next one is, on everybody loves leadership. Okay, so So the word here that Paul uses, again, I kind of do an extensive word research just so that I can gather my thoughts on what the Lord is trying to direct me to see. First of all, wow, I can't believe I'm about to go down this road, but I am. Okay, how much time do I have? Okay, I'm going to try to do this in very little time. Genesis 1 and 26 talks about us having dominion. Right? To subdue the earth and have dominion. Having dominion is not dominion over each other. But dominion over the earth, which means the things that the earth produces and the resources that come from the earth. So when you have a leader, the leader is not there to have dominion over the people that follow, but to be able to manage gifts and callings to an intended purpose, to an intended end. So even though I am a pastor in this church following the pastor, I too have a calling, gifts, and anointing. And by submitting myself to him, I'm saying I am giving off you the gifts and call and purpose that God has given me in order to advance the greater kingdom of God. And his job is to help me to continue in that while supporting the work that he's doing here. So if a leader is grandiose, untouchable, gaining wealth where everybody else isn't, that is trying to have dominion over men and not resources. Does that make sense? So, so leadership here, here's the word, right? It is to have character which provides the needed model to direct others. To have character which provides the needed model to direct others. In other words, to positively impact by example. So this is what Paul says, right? Imitate as I imitate Christ. Right? So in other words, see my fruit and my character and imitate the fruit and character because I am also trying to follow Christ in doing the same. Christ did not come and say, you need to all do that. He said, I am going to do it so that it gives you the power to do what you're called to do. Yeah. Right? That's true leadership. That's true leadership. So 
whenever you're trying to submit to any type of leadership, again, look to the fruit and not to the gift. Because the gift can be fleeting. The fruit is true. All right, so that's what you want to be m- make sure you see. So you want to make sure that this person is not self-seeking, not self-exalting, but exalting you and actually lifting you up. That's the job of the leader. Okay, and in the business world, you look at it this way. Okay, if somebody is going to be successful business and business people in here, you can attest to it. You can shoot me down or whatever. Okay, I'm back in my opinion box. Okay, I'm safe safe in my opinion box okay so you can't you can't stone me it's my opinion a successful business person is one who allows for others to be successful within the same business so what i mean by that is if i invest in you to be successful business wise it's going to cause me to be successful if i invest in just myself i can only grow so much But when I invest in other people for their success and I'm willing them to be successful, providing myself as a resource for them to be successful, their success equals my success. Okay? All right. So that's 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 leadership. So which means I'm caring more about how you do versus how I do. And then I lead you in a um, in a diligent manner with with haste. And then finally is the gift of mercy. So, mercy here, again, it's going to be kind of self-explanatory too. We're talking about, we are talking about forgiveness. We're talking about third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, ninth, tenth chances. But the idea here is not to give a pass or an excuse for somebody to continue in their revel. But it is to have mercy in order for them to actually come up to where Christ wants them to be. It's almost the same as the gift of encouragement. But this mercy is not just for somebody that's in a bad place like you know you're doing drugs or you you shot somebody or you're always an alcoholic the things that we look on negatively and assume that i'm going to have mercy to forgive you so that you can be better that's part of it but it's also mercy on the downtrodden on the poor on the marginalized on those that are in our society that manipulated a person who has the gift of mercy will understand that sometimes people act the way they act or say the things they say because they don't know any better so they will have mercy and give them a chance for them to at least have the opportunity to learn and understand so that they can change Now, problem happens, again, the most favorite gift of all that everybody seems to love these days is this. When the prophet speaks in place of mercy, it causes somebody to go further, deeper down into their sin or into their issue 
because of the fact that you're coming out more prophetic. So you're correct in what you're saying, but because you're not offering any mercy, somebody goes deeper into sin. Okay? So when you see people that are manipulated and you see somebody who's, let's say, stealing, okay, and you go there and say, thou shalt not steal. The Bible says you will not inherit the kingdom of God because you are a thief. Stop it. Right? Prophetic. Everything I said there is true. But mercy will say, hey, why do you steal? What's going on in your life? How can I help? That's mercy. Because I want to know the truth behind why this is happening. So when you speak prophetically sometimes, people feel judged. And they go, wow, you don't understand. You're just living there the way that you live. You don't understand what I'm going through. And they dig deeper into their position. So that is why mercy is needed and very relevant in our time. And I wish that we had more people speaking who are merciful than we do have prophets. Not, I want you to understand something. I'm not bashing prophecy, but I'm fe I feel, again, in my opinion box, that it's been the most manipulated gift of all the gifts that we've seen. That in tongues, the most manipulated gifts that we've seen. And I think, again, that's what's causing people to have less confidence in the church. But here's what I want you to see. All these are essential and needed. And you must understand the heart of the prophet. You must understand why the prophet functions the way that he does or she does. You must understand service. You must understand the need for service. You must understand that teaching is essential to the growing of the body of Christ. You must understand that people need to be encouraged because we live in a fallen world. Have you ever woken up and not everything is great but you kind of feel down? But everything's great. Nothing's wrong. But you just kind of feel down. We live in a fallen world. We're always trying to figure out what's wrong. You're going to go and go and figure and figure and figure. And, figure and, and at some point, you'll come to the conclusion, it's a fallen world. Because you cannot solve everything logically. So we, we need encouragement. We need giving. We need people who are willing to give of themselves, again, for the betterment of the kingdom. We need leaders, and we for sure need mercy. And if you have the gift of mercy, you cannot look at this guy and judge this guy. And if you have the gift of prophecy, you can't be looking and saying, oh, you don't need to be serving. People just need to hear the voice of God. Yes, but people also need service. And if you're doing service, you cannot look and say, you know what? I always do everything and you just sit there and you encourage. You need to see that each and every single one of these are needed. And it is by grace that you had the ability to even function in any one of this. And remember what I said, you can have uh, multiple. You don't, you're not just like one and that's it. You can function in multiple of these gifts. Okay, two minutes. Questions, not yours. Yours is too deep. Questions? <laughs> yes, or comments? Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. What helps me to understand is a distinction 
No, I'm not correcting you. I'm not correcting you. I'm coming alongside you. Okay. You've got the gifts we've been looking at are the ones in Romans 12. And then the gifts that you're talking about are the ones in 1 Corinthians uh, Corinthians 12. Correct. So this I'm saying, again, a living sacrifice. This is how you should be living. I said, when you go to work, if you're a prophet, you should be having the ability to prophesy. Like Paul on the ship to Malta says, hey, men, we're going to shipwreck. Okay? But God has told me none of us are going to die. He's not in church while he's doing it. He's in the world. So you got to speak the truth. If your company is having bad practices in business, if your daughter, your children, whatever it is, they need God's truth. You need to be that way for them. So it's not just to come to church to, to worship in the sense of lifting up your hand, but again, you're allowing the king to have his way in your life, in every area of your life, and you can use all of these or any one of these to be doing that. Does that make sense? Right. It's a ministry. Right. Where you live. Where you live. That, that, that's why, to me, when you talk about a word of wisdom, when you talk about uh, a word of uh, yeah, what is it? A word of wisdom and a word of word of knowledge. Okay, it's not going to come here because that is as the spirit has come and the government is there, and then I give you the word of knowledge, what the word of the Lord says for you and specific to the situation. But every day I need to serve. I need to be able to teach. I need to be able to encourage. I need to be able to give. I need to be able to lead. I need to be able to have mercy. I need to be able to prophesy somewhere. Does that make sense? This is me. Of these ones, correct. 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 Like I said, I'm coming alongside. You're on the same page. <laughs> yes. Yes, you, you actually made the distinction. You helped me make the distinction between these ones that Pastor Ken has been going through and the ones that I'm going through. Okay, anybody else before I... I've taken three minutes of your time. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Okay. Giving, for example. Okay. Okay. So, 
I'm gonna go into my you all need to research this too mode that you don't take my what I'm about to say is absolute but this is how I see it working so the reason why you need this guy is this guy is gonna help balance this so that when you do your giving you're not gonna it, it it almost seems like somebody who's just on the prophetic side might seem like man elizabeth why do you let these people manipulate you why do you let them do this to you okay that's somebody who's seeing on more on a, on a prophetic scale that this can lead to a bad thing but again you need to work together so you need to yield and be able to listen to somebody who's on the prophetic and say okay how do i keep giving without enabling by listening to what the word of god says so you're going to give according to the word of god that's why according to the measure of Faith, faith comes by and hearing. So you're going to give by the measure of faith, which has come as a result of hearing. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. So again, all of these, you're going to have to let the word be your guide. You can't just say, I have mercy, so forgive everybody. <laughs> okay. You, you cannot do that. You have to say, okay, this is mercy. This is what the Lord commands. Okay. If somebody is on the road to destruction and they don't yield you cannot tell God, stop it, don't do it. God's going to, he's a God who judges. It's still going to happen. But your heart of mercy is right. Okay. Thank you so much, you guys. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Okay. Again, please do your homework if you get a chance to. There are goodies involved in you do, if you do so. So thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Okay. And if you want me to answer his question, he's probably going to come to the front here and you can stick around if you want to know what I'm going to say about it.